Okay, are we unfreezing? Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought, was, was this a game? I should have, like, was it like a stirring contest where we could see how long we could freeze? Man, I messed up. I, Brainy. I think Brainy won, though, or he actually froze. One of the two. I'm, I'm still pissed off, man. I want my fucking trailer. You guys promised me a double-decker trailer. Oh, for what? part of the contract. Oh, oh for this show. <laughs> Is this, like, from Community that you're going to, like, you quit and you're going to go be in your trailer? Yeah, psh, psh. I would love to be in my trailer. Why you, get, you guys ain't giving me my trailer yet. Mark is here! Mark! You better, come, you better be here with my keys to the trailer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for, uh, Brainy and I, for Brainy and I to continue, we, need, uh, we both need double wides uh, or double deckers. Either or. We'll take width or height. Uh, with working ice cream fountains. And uh has an ice cream fountain already? No, we need we those are those are our demands. Also, I would like uh Diet Dr. Pepper on tap at all times. And I got Diet Coke on tap all times. Yes. And Josta. Can that be accommodated people at Nerd Do News not now? Get my Josta. Oh yeah. My only desire is to be beaten on the regular. I swear this is my last show unless I get my trailer. I'm more renegotiating my contract. You guys. I don't, I don't even think Mark can hear us. We're just talking, and I don't even think Mark knows what's happening Mark, right now. Mark is oh, he's wise enough to ignore yeah, us. No, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering when I get all my stuff for the last two and a half years. <laughs> Anyone deserves a trailer, it's Mark. Uh, no, I'm the diva. <laughs> I just want. I need one for my hair. I just want Coke Zero to be included in that fountain. <laughs> Can we at least get a hair and makeup budget? Hey, wait, are, are we live? Yes. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> the best we can do is give everyone beard butter. I don't drink beard, dang it, and I don't eat butter. <laughs> beard butter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was a weird combination to have beer and butter. <laughs> Isn't that a Harry Potter thing? Butterbeer. There we go. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> is everyone weak? Did there, is everyone like melted yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I chose the hottest day we've had all year to shoot an outdoor TV commercial today. Uh, I can feel it on the top of my head mm-hmm. where the holes in my hat were. Oh, no. Which is just really awkward. Also, all over my face. Um, But it's going to be a decent commercial. Uh, It's going to be super goofy and super fun. Uh, I have one shot, maybe two left to get, but it started raining. And the thing about cardboard boxes is they'll work with you, except in the rain. That's their one that's on their rider. Don't work in the rain. I like the I also part- have to get the cops to close a road, but we'll figure that out later. Yeah, I was gonna say I like the part where you like were trying to en- to uh, enlist the police to run- make the commercial. Well, I mean, they did stop me in the middle of the road, like <laughs> going, "What are you doing pushing boxes down the middle of the road?" And I go, "I'm making a TV commercial," and I'm like, "You're in it now," and they're like, "No, we're not," and I'm like, "Fair." 
<laughs> now I'm going to have to get a cop to be part of it. And I'm, so I'm texting a couple, see what happens. That's so funny. And you know what? I bet you even money that the police officers from my, the town that my store is in would totally be down for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just got to get some that aren't actively working. Yeah. Like they were trying to give me a ticket. If they had been like off duty, it would have been different. Illegal boxing. Well, that's 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 the trouble with guerrilla filmmaking, right? Is that you'd have no permits. You're totally trying to not get caught. You're driving really fast, pulling into a place, getting out, shooting your scene, driving back in the car and speeding away. Uh, which is really fun when you have to <laughs> unload and assemble cardboard boxes and get a cart out and then set up your sh- like. It's really slow guerrilla filmmaking, but it still works. It's, that's a good question, honestly, because so many people are making film now, like TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. Like, can you even enforce a rule like you have to have a permit to record things anymore? Otherwise, you have to get, you know, Susie and Jenna that are taking cute selfie pics. They got they got to get their permits. If you're on private property and the owner of the private property complains, is the only time it's ever enforceable. So, we did a lot of work in the middle of the road. Um, private property adjacent. Yes. Parked on private property, but not working on private property. Uh, the only place we had, like like I said, the when I was walking down the middle of the road, swerving with a cart full of boxes, the cops stopped me. And then the people at the local grocery store were not thrilled with us, like, filming in front of their store. Um, but I'm like, we're not going to show your store. We're just going to show the whole sidewalk closed sign. Um, I just want to remind you, Kyle, 15 minutes. We're already halfway into it. Yes. <laughs> I know. So some stuff happened, and then there were comics. Let's talk about the comics so we can get out of here. No, let's talk about Loki. What? Loki waiting. happened. Well, we already ate into Loki's time. <laughs> when was that? Wait, what? What time did you guys start? Just we just started. Uh, a short. No, we, we've we've all agreed this is a fifteen-minute episode because Brainy and I are exhausted. You agree? Oh, is that? Oh, really? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Mark's like, yay, <laughs> yay. I mean, I can just read my outline for the last forty-five minutes. So you guys talk about whatever you want for seven minutes. <laughs> 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 anyway, Mark, you want to do the thing? Uh, I do have a, I do have a, I have a comics question. Yeah. For all you guys, so uh, you know, I don't know you. We established this last week on our um, rabbit hole path about cons and how they should market and how the vendors are treated versus the people coming in to see, you know, Marvel's Hawkeye and all that. But so, what is first? What is your view on? the speculative market because obviously it has to put money in some of your pockets most of the time. Uh, But B, how much, you know, how can you see like all these Netflix movie deals, Amazon, you know, deals influencing that. And, and what I'm getting at is my friend was at a show, a smaller comic show in Dallas. And he said copies of stray dogs was going for $200. (laughs) So it's like, oh. is is that surprising, and why, and you know, where is that book going to be in five years? It's 
Miss Jen? That book will be worth five bucks in five years. Okay. Well, that's the that's the big answer. Uh, Miss Jen, what's your short-term answer for that? Okay, so the way I've always felt about speculation is that we as retailers engage in speculation every single time we make an order. We don't know what's going to sell. We only have an idea from experience what might sell. So there's two different kinds of speculations. What we do, making an educated guess for how much the demand is going to be from our customer base. And then there's the speculation in which pushes prices up into the stratosphere at conventions. And those may or may not be actually very helpful or um, healthy because in most cases, hot modern books don't maintain their value. There may be some rare exceptions. I would say maybe something is killing the children, number one. Whatever that's reached now is probably going to stay for a long time and may normalize, but Things like that. Stray Dogs is amazing, but I don't think it can stay at 200. There's Unless there's something that's coming that we don't know about that's attached to it. They're going to shoot a film, maybe. Uh, so my, my answer to the speculator question is uh, seeing Neil Gaiman's speech at the 1993 Diamond Retailer Summit, a.k.a. Comics and Tulips. No, okay. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far. Um, well, <laughs> and, and it's it was my answer when I and the reason I said is when I owned a store, I would order books with that in mind. Mm-hmm. I didn't order books for the speculator market. I didn't order books for the non-speculator market. I ordered the books that my readers wanted to read, that I thought I could sell, and that I thought were good. Um, the other stuff is just ephemera. Um, so, you know, oh, a book would pop off. Great. If I can make a few extra bucks on it here and there, sure. But I wasn't ordering because I thought some new book was going to have huge long-term repercussions. Um, so it was, it wasn't about treating comics like a commodity. It was treating comics like a, a, a just like any old product, like milk. You got it. You got it. You got a finite time. You can sell it. Comics last longer than milk, but, you know, still kind of a finite time to get most of your sales out. And then, you know, you're holding on. So I never looked at speculation as anything that I could control or could participate in beyond what Jen said, which is making your decisions about what books you're going to carry based on what you know about your readers and what you know about the product and what you know about your customer base and all that kind of stuff. So Mark, have you ever been caught on the wrong side of a, of a hot book like that? No, no, not really because I tend to hoard stuff rather than sell it. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, that's the ultimate speculator uh, killer, right? Is hoarders. Right. Right. But also, Kyle, I don't know what ephemera is, but it's been paying people's mortgages for the last year. No, when I say ephemera, it's the extra stuff. It's the stuff that's over there that you right. just can't do anything about. It's uh, right. you know, uh, The issue I have with Stray Dog is it's, it's a well-written book. Uh, Tony did a great job on it. Um, the speculation on, that, on issue number one didn't hit until after the returnability. So a lot of retailers had already destroyed the copies they were going to basically return with whatever didn't sell. Um, with that in mind, 
it, you know, it did. It does uh, limit the the print run. So I can see the speculation on that book. But do I? I agree with Jen. I don't think it's going to be a two hundred dollar book for too long. It's going to dip. It has to. Well, and and but now we're not talking about speculation. We're talking about regular market adjustment. Yeah, supply and demand. So if the demand is still high after returnability or the demand becomes high after returnability, now you do have supply issues, which will drive the price up. Like there's a reason that Dick Tracy's from the, you know, the forties and fifties are worth what they're worth. It's because they didn't survive to now. Absolutely. So there's very few. And, and see, that's different in my mind than speculation. But the the thing is, uh, and again, in my opinion, as well as straight out dig, we we didn't see that you know, we didn't see a jump of, of of that magnitude until after what issue three or four I believe, um, which basically said it's not the readers that are going after it because at that point we can tell the readers hey the trade's going to come out and get the trade because it was a it was a five part miniseries um, and I'm not sure if he's announced anything in addition I, I I don't know how much I can reveal without having permission so. Uh, it was a five-part miniseries. <laughs> Good save. <laughs> um, and it's a good story, you know, and it, it ends. Unlike some, Something is Killing a Children, which is an ongoing story, which has a potential to be in a movie. And Tony hasn't announced anything about um, about, a, about a deal or anything it being uh, optioned or anything like that. So this is pure 100% speculation with... With the demand going up, so I don't, I don't see it dropping back down to five dollars. Maybe, maybe mid teens, uh, possibly maybe in the twenties. Unless if something gets announced, seriously, if they do announce that there's going to be a movie about it, then yes, uh, the variant covers might uh, hold their value for some extent because of the collectors that do want to keep those. But beyond that, and again, this isn't, and this is just not about stray dogs. This is about a lot of books that are coming out. It could be said about almost everything, like Jen said, everything except for maybe Department of Truth might hold its uh, value, and um, something is coming to children definitely will. Well, and, and something like Department of Truth, if you are going to play the game on, you can play it a little bit safer because you can almost bet that that's something that will be developed into another property, be it a movie, be it a television show, be it a video game, be it something else. It, it, the, you can almost bet that it will become something else. So the game you're playing a different game, correct? When you're playing with again with something that's killing the children, the um, the difference with, with um, sorry, uh, the difference with uh, Department of Truth and Stray Dog is Tinian is hot right now, and everybody's betting mm-hmm. if his universe gets picked up like Mark Millar did, and you know like um, Donnie Case is a, supposedly going to have a uh, huge movie deals or whatever. They're betting on that. They're betting on Tinian's work, and they're going to basically, you know, everything that he's written is hot right now. Uh, we don't know where it's going to be for five years from now. Um, right. And, and again, with, with so I think we need to define, and the, the industry itself needs to define the difference between speculation and market adjustment. Right? And, and is also, it speculation if, if a book gets hot after returnability and copies are destroyed? Or is it just the market is adjusted? Is it, uh, you know, is it is it speculation if they only print twenty five hundred copies of something, and so it's instantly rare, and that book decides to pop off, or is it speculation when the internet tells people who who are just buying books to flip them what they should buy and when they should buy it? Like we need a clear definition 
in order to have conversations about speculation. Well, again, they're not exclusive to some extent. You know, the the people who are, uh, you know, the key collectors and whatnot, they, they do, I hope at least, they do do a little bit of research and, you know, at least I hope they do a little bit of research. And, uh, you know, basically tell them, hey, look, you know, just using straight as an example, uh, uh, this had returnability, retailers have uh, destroyed copies, there's a limited stock compared to what was released. It's going to be a hot book. I, that's understandable. Um, but one thing we also have to keep in mind about speculation is this is not the 1990s speculation where we were making 3 million, 5 million copies. We are, I mean, the top book, of course, was a Berserker with 600,000 copies, and that's an anomaly compared to everything else. The second highest, I believe, is Star Wars at 100 and something, right? If I'm... Yeah, I don't I think remember. that's what it was. All that's other great. books... All other books are probably hitting sixty, seventy thousand dollars, seventy thousand copies. Uh, let's assume half of them are reader copies that people are actually reading. Um, a quarter of that, those are sitting in the retailers' boxes in the back somewhere in the warehouse, uh, and twenty-five percent went to true collectors. Uh, so, <laughs> taking that into this might be a this could be a speculation to a long-term gain in in, in a sense. Uh, as as opposed to what you know what the '90s books were, and even the '90s books now. I mean, look at how well they're doing, which of course right. could be because I mean, of uh, speculation. But I mean, nobody thought X Force number one is going to be more than five dollars. Nobody thought Dead New, New Mutants ninety. Well, okay, New Mutants ninety eight is an exception because it was hot back then as well. But it, that only changed when a, a specific writer took over Deadpool, made him really good, everybody loved it. Then Ryan Reynolds made him really good, everybody loved it. And that, you know, uh, but there are still plenty of copies of Deadpool out there. Same thing with Harley. There's plenty of copies out there uh, because of the 90s, they had hundreds of thousands of books. So, uh, but this is a different, I mean, different type of speculation now. Oh, sure. Like oh, I said, my, my mentality on it was. Uh, and and when I when I reference that Neil Gaiman speech, I think it's worthy of a listen. Like if you can buy the audiobook or you can read it online or whatever, just because it does point out that if you're going to speculate, you have to speculate in reality. You can't just speculate in fairy tales, which Correct. is what happened with the the tulip economy. Um, and in a sense, also the crypto economy. That's basically what's happening now too with the crypto economy. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, you speculate in reality. So, it's not unwise to speculate on a book like White. Um, in the sense that they only made 2,500 copies. You know, and when I say not unwise, I mean, that's such a limited thing. If it's what you're into, paying the money for it is, you know, it's worth it. The- if, it's, if you're buying it because you think it's going to be worth more, then you're, you're speculating on fairy tale. Correct. As opposed to reality, um, and that's that's yeah. basically why you know Bojan and I agree with something that's killing the children. The story holds up. It's not mm-hmm. just it was a low print run. The story was good, and that's something that you also have to keep in mind for the comic books. The story has to be good, story and artwork, or artwork, one of the two. You know, it's, it has to be something in that book that's making it re- retain its value. All right. I'm not sure if that's the answer you're looking for, Mark. <laughs> Well, I do have, uh, just to, for clarification on my part, when you guys say 
copies are being destroyed. Is that literal? Like, how does that process work? Like, why not just give them it's away the most, or sell them for a fraction? It's the most painful thing you have to ever have to do as a retailer. It's called strip cover return. Yep. When you see the big Y on the return sheet that says that they want to have the actual cover sent back to them. So you have to rip it off the book, which I've never, this is my heart for the comic books themselves, is that I don't think anyone should ever have to strip cover. I love the affidavit we're doing now because what it allows us to do is to take those copies and uh, like we, we actually mark them in our consignment system as being charity items, which allows us to donate that money to charity. Instead of being destroyed, it allows the book to end up in an actual hand instead of in a trash and, you know, wasting trees. Um, or allowing us to just give them away as a marketing tool to be like, here's your first hit for free and so they they serve the purpose that they were created for which is to get people to read them yeah Uh, yeah. but usually the stripping of the cover and sending back the cover is what they mean by destroyed so those are actual destroyed copies not the ones that are like every once in a while you hear people make a print run of a book and on purpose destroy part of it so to manipulate the rarity of the book uh this is different this is like a book's been out two or three months and they send us a list and say, we'll give you, uh, you know, the money back for them, but you have to give us the cover. And just to add on to that, I want to clarify that our industry is typically non-returnable. Uh, 90, 95% of everything we order is a risk for the retailer to take themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, publishers have in the last few years have uh, basically accommodated with issue number one, um, yeah, they want to make sure that the retailers aren't taking all the burdens with issue number one, and sometimes with issue number two as well. And some publishers are doing issue number three, uh, and also by by issue number three and four, we know what our uh, customer demand will be. Um, so you know that 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 helps out a lot. Uh, but typically, our industry is non-returnable. Um, I just want to put that out there because I don't want people to think that you know. A, we, we can order a million copies and whatever we don't want, we return. Uh, that is how some of the books, the book distribution works that way. Um, the book distribution but even book is, distribution, is, by and large, is strip cover sometimes. Like paperback, the paperback market is strip cover. Correct. Um, the, those books are destroyed. The hard, hardback market is different. You can return them and they get sold other ways. But it's, you know, I have a friend whose mom, that's his job or her job. She drives to all the Walmarts. And pulls the books off the shelves that are for return, tears the covers off, takes the the bulk of the books back to their compactor thing, throws them in the baler, and then return. You know the covers get returned, and Walmart gets their credit. I mean, it's. But yeah, it's. I remember when I first started in this industry, uh, it was returnability was only a thing when you had to order number two before number one came out. And it's expanded so much with the boom guarantee and other things that, like, it's become less risky for retailers to try and find their ceiling in some cases. But I think most people will agree that with the bread and butter being Marvel and DC for the most part, and them doing very limited returnability for the most part, it's kind of a negligible proposition. I, I... 
I don't think uh, Marvel and DC are any uh, any longer bread and butter. I think the indies are doing much better than uh, Marvel and DC are. Um, especially with the speculators out there, they are driving up. And uh, you know, the in, indies are actually man, I can't believe I'm saying this. They're better stories. Uh, they oh, sure. Are, you know, <laughs> Writing down this date. Like, when I say no, bread and butter, I mean, I'm not. Look, I mean, Marvel, I'm talking about for the entirety of the industry, not on a store by store basis. You know what I mean? Any yeah. one store can, you know, you know, vary that way. But if you looked at all 2,500 retailers, the bread and butter is still Marvel and DC. Um, okay. Here, here's, and this is I've said in other shows somewhere. I don't know where it was, but Marvel it's structured in a way where they are always writing books within their universe. They can't get out of it. They can't get out of basically the Avengers and the MCU style. Um, the DC is the same way. They're stuck with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, and whatnot. Or um, in the independent creators, they can go anywhere they want. They can publish anything they want. And, you know, and that's what I believe the audience is craving nowadays. They are looking for variety. They still love their Batman as well, except the $5 Batman cover price nowadays is turning people off. Same thing with Marvel. You know, people love their Moon Knights. They love their Spider-Man as they, but they are looking for something different. And that's what the indie publishers are doing. And it would not surprise me if, uh, you know, where most of our top subscriptions are indies. In fact, I, I know our top right now is Bad Idea. Our top three titles are Bad Idea titles. Uh, which of course you know ticks some retailers off, but I'm not, yeah I'm not gonna complain. I'll back. Uh, so Kyle, just want to point this out. We went straight into comic books like you had suggested. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and we've been at this like thirty minutes now, so I think it's time to call it a night. Uh, anyway, next topic, Mark. Oh, you want to? You have more questions. What no? Do you guys want to? Do you guys want to call tonight? Because no, I think Jen and I can run through the rest. No, I'm just. I'm fine. I'm just okay. being. We were just joking around about. I'm that. just being a jerk. <laughs> as long as I don't have to talk about Fast and the Furious, I'm happy. Uh oh. Well, I mean, and I'll can... let you guys talk about it. and I'll just sit here quietly. Like I'm good with that. Don't ask my opinion, or I'll tear okay. a movie in half. It, so. Is F9 really okay? I, now I haven't seen any trailers or anything like that. Are they really going to the moon? No. What the? Who told you that? <laughs> I, I was in a conversation earlier today, and I wanted to follow up. Or, or maybe they're talking about the next the next one. They're talking about having a race on the moon. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, they did go into space. They did go into space. That's the so, same thing, I think. Go, so go do you guys remember when Fonzie jumped the shark? <laughs> <laughs> um. When they brought in Chris Ludacris Bridges in the second film, this <laughs> franchise jumped the shark. Is this like our third show where we reference Fonzie jumping the shark? Maybe. <laughs> I try and reference it every day. Just for good culture. Okay. Mark, next topic. <laughs> well, hold on. I don't think Kyle's got his fill of F9 yet. So I just wanted to say that it shattered all pandemic records with 70 million. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and also going to the moon and going into space may not be the same thing cinematically, but I do think going into space was the next logical step after uh, chasing a submarine. 
over ice, right? I mean, what else could you have done in that case? And uh, then the, they've got cars. They've got cars swinging on mountains and all kinds of stuff. So, Miss Jen, I'm assuming you saw this at least once this weekend, right? I might have been to the movies a couple times this weekend. <laughs> but but was it was it both for that or was it for something else? No, I went to go see. Um, also, uh, we finally got together and went and enjoyed uh, in the Heights. Oh, okay. I love musicals, so I'm a sucker for it. I, I watched the Heights. Let's talk about that movie. Cried so much. I will talk about it in the Heights. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was so good. Uh-huh. Um, but I also loved it when it was Romeo and Juliet and South or West Side Story. But I enjoyed this music better. So. I mean, there were no giant fights. Right. I enjoyed this musical better. Uh, this music better. But the other ones were, uh, you know, also good storytelling. Well, and West Side Story is coming out again later this uh-huh. year, right? Spielberg? Because, Mark, when you're a jet, you're a jet for life. So they need to remake the movie every once in a while. Right. But every once in a while, this will be, what, the second time? Third. Third? Okay. I believe. They made they remade it in the 70s or 80s, where it was a little more Warriors style. Mm-hmm. It was wildly unpopular and also very bad. They they should have just remade Warriors as a musical. I would like to see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really would. I would like to see that. Um, I know everyone's super disappointed that Hitman's wife's bodyguard could not hold on to the number one spot. That dropped to third, and uh, Quiet Place 2 was still in second. So, Miss Jen, did you see F9? Yes, I've seen all of those movies except for the last one mentioned. Was there a great fervor? I mean, like it made seventy million, which in pandemic money is like a billion dollars. So was it super crowded and super hyped the whole time, or what? It was packed out. Um, a much younger crowd than I've seen at the movies in a while. It's been kind of like my husband and I and two other couples and one single guy. The uh-huh. exact ones every time I go to the AMC. So this is the first time I've seen like, you know, teenagers and they were really having a lot of fun with it. I mean, you have to like throw just like a suspension of disbelief for this film is very high. Oh, but, and, the, and the previous eight as well. Yes. But yeah. It's not... I very heart touching. They, they go much more deeply into Don's family ties and history and uh, about his dad. And that's all. You know, that's the, the crux of the conflict in this one. Well, now I'm just picturing the flashbacks with him taking the place of Alex B. Keaton and Family Ties. <laughs> family Ties. <laughs> but so it made a ton of money. We knew it would. Um, and there's going to be a 10 because it made a ton of money. So I guess they're just going to keep. Well, at what point do they just do like a Fast and the Furious Transformers crossover? Um, also a movie I wouldn't see. <laughs> yeah. I heard rumors they want to do a Jurassic Park and FF uh, crossover, so... Well, they drive so fast they go back in time and kill the dinosaurs. Yep. That's a movie we need. God, for the sake of humanity, can they just stop? 
I don't know. Like, I don't do your 10th movie. Call it F10. There's only 10 function keys on a keyboard. Just be good with it. <laughs> They're going to start uh, crossing over into other universes, doing Ocean Eleven versus uh, FF uh, crossover. If they start calling them Shift F1 or something, <laughs> I am going to literally fly to Hollywood and disembowel someone. Like, I, I want a Nick Cage crossover called Gone in FD Seconds. <laughs> right? <laughs> Was there ever a sequel to Gone? No. So we're not going to be getting a Fast and the Furious and Jurassic Park crossover. We're not going to be getting a Fast and the Furious and Transformers crossover. But we are going to be getting a Jurassic Park and Transformers crossover in the vein of Beast Wars. That's been the uh, the next Transformers movie announced that Kyle's not going to see. Grimlock. I'm assuming you're not going to see that one. So I don't, um, I don't who's directing it? Is Michael Bay directing it? No, he's been done, right? I don't think so. Is Mocking Mock going to be in it? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't believe so. Because How about it Shia takes... LaBeouf? No, they're done. Did you see Bumblebee? Megan Fox is not going to be in it? No, but John Cena is. I don't know if you have a problem with him. But see, there, there's You can't see him on screen, that. so I'm okay with it. Um... I would go see it if none of those people are anywhere even remotely involved. Minus John Cena, right? Because I think John Oh, you Cena... can't see him on screen anyway. Oh, okay. So you're, you're okay with Tyrese being in it? I was okay with him being in anything. I kind of like Tyrese, except for in the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> hey, uh, see Marky Mark again? Marky Mark. <laughs> <laughs> And I do believe they've cast Optimus Primal, but I'm not sure who it is because that just happened. And I'm on my phone right now. So, Wait, so have, have they announced that uh, Grimlock and Teen will be in, in Beast Wars? Well, Grimlock was already in one of the other movies that I didn't yeah. see. But I, I, like, I, at some point, Bumblebee was fantastic, and they need to do every Transformers movie in that style where there's a few Transformers, and they're distinguishable, and you can tell who's punching who. But if they go back to, like, the fusion of toasters and old iPads that someone threw in the garbage punching each other, I'm done. I can't Ron tell. Perlman. So, um, Ron Perlman? Ron Perlman! It's Ron Perlman. Ah! Uh, oh boy. Perfect. As Optimus Prime. Perfect. Uh, if he plays it with any emotion at all, I'm going to be angry. Because I just want Optimus Prime to deliver every line the same way Hellboy does. If no emotion, emotion at all, it won't be Ron Perlman. So, you're safe. You know that's true. Uh, I just except for that one scene in Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, well, I just want I just want all of the Beast Wars coalition of Transformers to be the Sons of Anarchy now. That's probably what's going to end up happening. I can get behind that. I have some friends who could use some stunt work. (laughs) Um. Jen, Jen's heard this. Uh, a good friend of mine was Ryan Hurst's body double slash stuntman in Sons of Anarchy. So if they bring the Sons of Anarchy into Beast Wars, uh, hey, stunt work for my friends, you know, pretending to be robots. 
Now you said you said this was his stunt double or is because he's in a fantastic new show on Disney Plus called The Secret Benedict Society. Mm. And there's um, some- I don't know if if Jay is working on that or not. Okay, and, and um, he, he had just been done being Beta on Walking Dead, and so this Jay was show- doing the Walking Dead stuff. Oh, okay. Well, this show is like Wes Anderson for kids, but it's very, very good, very clever, very well edited, uh, well shot. Ryan Hurst does a really good job in it. Which Wes Anderson? Wes like, Anderson for kids. No, no, which, which movie Wes Anderson? Like, give me a reference point. Is it Grand Budapest Hotel? Is it like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, not... not uh, it's let, not Darjeeling let, Limited? Right. I mean, stylistically, life aquatic, but not without like Bill Murray's temperament, because it's right. a, a okay. show for kids. But the two main stars are Tony Hale playing a double role and Christian Shaw. So if you like TV, it's a good show. <laughs> like, okay. they, they are very good when given lots and lots of screen time, which they both get. So, but Ryan Hurst is also in it and he does a very good job. It's a, a good show so far. You know, uh, since Isle of Dogs, Wes Anderson hasn't had a movie come out. Yeah, because so, years, this years. has been stuck in post-production, not post-production, but it's been waiting to be released for two years. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'm looking at it going, oh man, I forgot that that was a thing. I gotta go watch that. I haven't watched that. And you're like, I have Cousin Ben Troop, the Jason Schwartzman movie, mm-hmm. like on DVD somewhere. It's one of my favorite short movie, short films ever. And I haven't watched it in years. I'm gonna have to go dig that out. Also, I feel old because Royal Tannenbaums was 2001. Yeah, but I mean, that's gonna happen. Yeah, I there's feel stuff old. a lot older than Royal and Bombs, so. I mean, sure. I mean, I remember watching Bottle Rocket way too young, but still. Yeah. Like, I love Wes Anderson. I'm just gonna. We'll just leave it at that. I love Wes Anderson. I think that's, that's my thing. I think that's what we're figuring out, guys. The reason I don't like comic book movies or the stupid Fast and Furious movies or anything these days with Chris Pratt in it. Uh, is that I like weird, quirky films from people like Wes Anderson. That's that's no, what I like. I think you it's just because you're a bitter old man. Also that. <laughs> uh, the guy from Bottle Rockets and Loki. Yeah. Also, and I watch Loki because the guy from Bottle Rockets and Loki. You've probably seen this, but uh, something funny you should check out after the show is a fan-made trailer for Wes Anderson Presents the X-Men. It's like a two-and-a-half-minute trailer of the X-Men as if presented by Wes Anderson, and it's fantastic. Basically, what you're saying is they actually have a really good X-Men out there. Uh, yeah, well, just a two-and-a-half-minute trailer version, sure. Uh, a couple of the X-Men films are good. Days of Future Past was good. Days of Future I, I Shark Jumping? I mean, yeah, Days of Future Shark Jumping, sure. The first one was good as well. I, I know there was a lot of... Um, Issues with it, but it was it was good for when it came out. I would go ahead and say the first three for when they came out are perfectly tolerable films. Wait, wasn't the third one with Apocalypse? 
Uh, no, the third one was the Dark Phoenix Saga, only really bad. Days of Future Past was after Dark Phoenix Saga, right? Well, they told it once, and then they told it again. Kyle, have you ever done reviews like uh, that are used on the back of a Blu-ray that says, perfectly tolerable film? Uh, yeah, but <laughs> only for movies that are like made by the likes of Wes Anderson. Well, <laughs> I just think uh, they should use that snippet on more movies. Yeah, they... no, I have given I have given reviews for like independent films where that's yeah. exactly what they're going for. Didn't yeah. make me vomit. <laughs> there, there should be a rating that just says you are watching this film for entertainment purposes, for special effects and whatnot. There is no story to this film. Yeah, that's fine. Right, it's the Michael that, Bay. Bay what... It's the Michael Bay formula: run, 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 explosion; run, 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 hot chick; run, 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 explosion; run, 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 hot chick. And. Uh, a helicopter on the sunset. There's got to be one in every single one. That's true. <laughs> and a flare. Someone using a flare for some re- waving something down. Like everyone's got a street flare. They right. wave down a helicopter. I got to wave down a boat. I got to wave down a Decepticon with a flare. Yeah, I, I, not for for a long time. I did not know he did the meatloaf's uh, uh, video. Michael Bay did the video for. I would never do that. <laughs> and I had to go back and watch. I'm like, oh, he could not have put a helicopter in there. <laughs> he did have a helicopter in that dang. Well, I mean, he's consistent. <laughs> I was just like, wow, he, he figured out a way to put it in that song as well. So we've got about 15 minutes left. And I've got like 10 things, but I don't know if any of them are important or not. So we can just shoot through them and you guys can just tell me your level of interest in them. How about that? Does that work? Perfect. Okay. So there's a new Snake Eyes trailer that came out last week. Negative four. What? Negative. So you were so you were already you were already negative on it and the trailer made Oh no, it. I saw it. I saw it, so I'm I'm over it. I'm ready oh. for the next one. Oh, you saw like, the you saw the the movie or the trailer? I saw the trailer. I'm ready for the next trailer. Don't give me more. There's not going to be sell me on this movie. Trailer. There's not going to be a next trailer. It's gonna the movie's well, coming then, out July 23rd. This was the second negative trailer. four. I'm not going to see the movie. Okay. You guys know when I realized that the trailer was for Snake Eyes, like right before they said the word Snake Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. Oh no, they got me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so. Does so then did did the trailer peak your enthusiasm for the film or no? Because if you don't want to see a GI Joe film, you're not going to see it. But if you didn't know it's a GI Joe film, then you might be like, huh, I didn't know a GI Joe film could be like that. I would be interested in seeing a GI Joe film if they did the silent issue in the movie where just no one speaks the whole movie. It's the artist, but with guns. Yeah. I, I would be totally into that because it would be something totally, completely, uniquely different for a comic book movie. Totally uniquely different for an action film. And Larry Hama deserves the credit. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. I can see them doing, like, the third act like that, but other than that, you'd have Whole to movie. Get, like fanfic. Two and a half, three hours. <laughs> three hours? No. 
that's not gonna happen. <laughs> well, you you know, movies are getting shorter and shorter, just like people's uh, attention span. So that's true. Uh, Brainy, what about you? Any interest in a GI Joe film? I'm always going to be interested in GI Joe films, even if they're cruddy films. I'm still going to watch it and you know complain about it like Kaya later on, but you know I'll still watch it. Uh, <laughs> I have not seen the trailer yet, so um, I'll probably check it out after the show. Well, after my meeting, sometime tonight, I hope. I'm just waiting for someone to go. Snake Eyes doesn't talk, but they might have already done that, probably. Because that's what people do now. They just, like, they have to go into the canon and just ruin everything for everyone else. But anyway, uh, Shang-Chi also has a new trailer, uh, which has also caused a couple books to rise on the speculative market. Who has seen the Shang-Chi trailer? I've not seen it, but I'm not watching. I watched the first little thing, like the little stunt thing they did. Uh Uh-huh. And that's it. I'm avoiding them. I won't won't even Uh, say... Because that's like a positive, like, for the first time in this list, I'm like at like a seven. Okay. I'm very excited for (laughs) Shang-Chi. So you don't... So you saw the first trailer. I I didn't... I don't know, was that... Did they consider that a trailer? It was just Simu Liu and some stunt dudes, like, doing some fighting? Yeah, I mean... Nobody was really in character or doing anything? I think it was a trailer. Okay. Then if that counts, yeah. then yes, I saw that. They could have called it a first look. I don't know. There's a little yeah, bit more whatever. in this one. I won't spoil the two characters that are in there then. But uh, I'm already going to see it. So a trailer is not going to talk me out of seeing a movie that I want to see. It can have the reverse of it. So. <clears throat> what is, what is uh, Miss Jen and Brainy, what is your level of interest in Shang-Chi? I, I I keep thinking of Iron Fist. No matter what, how I look at it, I keep thinking of Iron Fist. Um, I enjoyed Iron Fist, but it ended with a, it could have ended better for me. Um, so in the back of my head, it's still associating Shang Chi with Iron Fist. Will I watch it? Uh, probably when it hits Disney Plus. I'm not sure if I'm going to run out to the theaters to watch it. But yeah, I'll, I'll probably watch it. I'm a sucker for anything with martial arts in it, so I'm down. Yeah, see that and Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. Back to back. Yep. Um, and this wasn't a trailer per se, but uh, Kevin Feige said that after Black Widow, that they're very open to the possibility of doing more prequels and origin stories. While these can become tiresome, I just wanted to know if each of you had one character that you would like to see be given a solo movie that's currently in the MCU. Currently, okay. What is no, Bob? I didn't think so. So, uh, are we considering X Men and uh, all those characters currently in the MCU? Yeah, I, yeah. I'll, okay, I'll, Galactus. Uh, um, okay. Well, I, I would like to see Wolverine's origin origin story. You know, the based on the origin book. I think that would make a very good story uh, mm-hmm. for this, uh, for the big screen, where they talk about his Canadian past and everything. But like pre, but pre Weapon X and all that. Pre Weapon like X. Back. Well, I guess it rolls. It, it kind of rolls into Weapon X. But yes, pre Weapon X, like when he was a kid. What you know? Um, how 
how he met Sabretooth as a little kid and everything. Uh, the the young Wolverine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys read the original origin book from the, what was it, early 2000s? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that would make a great story. It's a great idea. It, 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 it deals with the humanity of Wolverine, or Logan, or rather, whatever. Or, I don't know if we can reveal his actual name in there. I want to say there was snippets of that time in one of the movies, but it was just snippets. It was just flashback scenes. Mm-hmm. I just remember very young Wolverine. Yeah, I think it was in the, in the Logan, they just snippets of it, if I remember correctly. Okay. I, I think a two and a half hour movie of that would be really good. Galactus uh, just eating planets. Like it's the 4th of July <laughs> hot dog eating contest. Galactus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just got a message from somebody. All it said was stuffed Oreos. And a question mark. Forward me the message. <laughs> <laughs> them yes we will get, we would love to be sponsored by stuff for you i know i know right <laughs> i gotta find out what this is about stuffed oreos question mark the answer is yes are they offering you that in, in uh, exchange for the one of two copies of white number one you're gonna get tomorrow oh my god that's gonna be oh i only have one left and i don't know what i'm gonna do with that sell it to me there's I think we should just have, you know, like, uh, giant uh, MMA fights. Yeah. We're going to bring back American Gladiators, and the winner gets a copy of White. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I don't want blood splatter all over, blood or sweat splatter all over our comic books. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> it does bring no, down. It's presented, it's presented later. We go down the list, Mark? Oh, well... Jen, what did you say? Did you have an oh, answer? Um, for me, uh, my favorite character, because I love damaged characters, uh, is Bishop. I don't think they've ever... I mean, they had Bishop as an actual character, as a side character in one of the movies, but I don't think that was that did him justice at all. No. We need that to cool for that time. Being yeah. destroyed by Sentinels. That's what I wanted to be part of that sounds terrifying yeah that's that's an interesting one yeah that's something i would want to see um so jumping over to dc the dc cinematic universe um the negative 10 (laughs) right so unless it's animated then it's a 10 pierce brosnan has announced that his costume for the black adam movie as Dr. Fate will be purely CG. Does this like sway you? Does that mean he's acting naked? Maybe. Or at least in ping pong balls. You know, one of the things that bugged the heck out of me about Shazam and I think Black Lightning as well is their plastic costume. I mean, that looked like a piece of plastic they slapped on their chest. Uh, and that bothered me throughout the movie. And, and the TV show for Black Lightning is the same thing. They, you know, it looks like a big piece of plastic slapped on. I'm hoping the CGI does better. I think it will. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any reason to think it won't, especially if it's you know supposed to be like a, a breathable costume for a superhero that can fly. It makes sense. So. Um, real answers, though. I'm only interested in Shazam 2. 
in terms okay. of live action and anything animated. So then also answers the next one. Batman The Long Halloween Part 1 came out on Friday. Do you like it when they take those truly classic Batman stories and make them animated? When they don't screw up the story. Um, which they've done several times. They've done some really great animated adaptations. Um, I, I screwed up the story. Did you? No, that's what I mean. They've done some really great adaptations, like fixed story holes, fixed, like where they've actually progressed the story forward and made it better. They've also done some where you're like, are you kidding me? Like, I, why? Um, Killing joke. So okay. I, haven't watched, I haven't watched Long Halloween yet uh i maybe we'll get to it by september um but uh it's it's one i'm definitely interested in well hush hush they definitely changed the source material a little bit but i thought it was good so what about uh miss jen what about you do you like the dc animated movies and what's your interest level in the long halloween I've never watched any of the animated stuff for either universe, either Marvel or DC. I just, maybe I'm not meant for animation stuff. Miss Jen, you, you've got to watch the 90s X-Men and Batman animated series. You have to watch those. I need, I need direction for what? Because so I, I, I know there's a lot. X-Men. Silver Batman animated? Because, I mean, I loved 92 X-Men. You know, Saturday morning cartoon. Was ready oh, that's, for that. what talking about. that's what we're talking about. Oh, I've watched all that. Oh. That's why I love Bishop. That's why oh, Bishop you said, <laughs> Oh, because you said nothing animated. So yeah. <laughs> all animation <laughs> off the table in our brain. The release of DVD ones that they're doing now, where they just have, like, one. They're, they're made to go to DVD. I haven't watched right. any of that. Yeah, like the like the adaptations of major story arcs. Mm -hmm. Rainy, what about you? Uh, Batman Halloween interest level. I'm I'm looking forward to. It. I mean, I, I like all the animated movies they come out with, so that's uh, it's entertaining for me. Uh, I like them. I uh, unlike Kyle, I actually like the different interpretations. You know, basically the Walking Dead uh, syndrome, where. Yeah, where you know Robert Kirkman basically said, "I'm fixing a few things that I wanted to do different," uh, so the TV show is a little bit different than what it was in the comic book. I understand that. I understand why he wants to do it. Uh, and the same thing with the um, the creators. It's you know we have to remember every adaptation that comes out is that writer and that director's interpretation of what they feel they want to present, including the original. Um, you know, the Long Halloween was a great story, but you know maybe there's like like Kyle mentioned. Maybe there's a few holes they can plug, and maybe there's a few things they can tell a little bit different. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how that comes out. Um, I'm hoping it's as good as the original book. And does it, being a Batman animated series guy, does it bother you when Kevin Conroy is not the voice? No. Um, I don't pay, well, I don't pay that much attention to the the voices. I mean, not 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 in the terms as, um, you know, everybody's always going to be like, "Hey, the animated Joker's always got to be Mark Hamill." Yeah, you know, that's it, as long as it's done well. I don't care. Gotcha, uh, Kyle. I got a TV question for you, and I'm guessing. Does it have to do with the remake of Night Court? No. 
But that would be awesome. But I'm guessing that your interest level is negative 107. But you tell me what it is, okay? Uh, John Lithgow is coming back for Dexter. What is your interest level on the new Dexter? Haven't seen the new Dexter yet. Loved the old Dexter. With John Lithgow. So that I'm be- withholding an opinion. Okay. So my interest level is present. Gotcha. I'm going to abstain. Miss Jenner Brainy, were you Dexter fans and do you care about the new one? Never watched it. Not sure if I'm going to. It just didn't pique my interest enough. I'll never forget this day I said, bring me with an ice pick to somebody at work, and they knew what I was talking about, Dexter. <laughs> and I'm like, finally, another person. There's <laughs> two of us watching this show. Yeah. I, I get it watching Forensic Files, you know, yeah. from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. <clears throat> yeah, well, uh, John Lithgow definitely piques the interest for me. He, you know, won his fifth Emmy, I believe, portraying uh, the Trinity Killer on season four. And I did not know previously that he'd won an Emmy for Amazing Stories. I knew about Third Rock, obviously. And then he won oh. another one uh, for The Crown. And he's probably going to win another one for Perry Mason. So awesome. Perry, for that Perry all well-deserved. Mm-hmm. He is a very talented guy. So yeah. uh, in, 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 non, in, in non-John Lithgow TV news, uh, they've announced a release date for... Uh, the next season of AHS, American Horror Story. Uh, so that's interesting to me. I'm very excited that my friend Sarah is back because uh, there was she had talked about maybe not going back. So I'm now, glad I'll have a reason to watch it. Is it? I know that in general, I know season by season it's anthology as far as like it's different each time. But is this going to be different each week? This is going to be smaller stories. Uh, I don't know. I haven't. I again. Uh, until that they announced the release date, I hadn't been following it uh, because I wasn't sure that the reason I watched the show was going to continue to be in the show. So, Matilda's teacher, right? Well, I, so I know Sarah Paulson from a job I did when I was much younger, and so that's why I watched the show. Wasn't Matilda? No. Oh, okay, but she was in that. But yeah, she was Matilda's teacher. And she's awesome in everything she does. So, uh, I know that we talked about comics and didn't really talk about comics. So, just real quick around the horn, Miss Jen, your top book for this week. Um, I am interested in reading Broken Gargoyles next series start. All right, and Brainy, what about you? One book for this week? Um, I honestly haven't looked at the list for this week yet, so I, I don't know what I'm looking forward to. Uh, what about the one that people are going to fight each over? What was that called? The uh, white. white. It's a, yeah, it, it's a book that was limited to only twenty five hundred copies, and oh. like Miss Jen said, it's everybody's going to fight over it. Um, I know I, I I had ordered heavy on it just because uh, I wanted to support Black Mask again as it came back, um, and you know I had also tried to. I, luckily, we didn't have that many pre orders for it. Um, I you know I did have people interested in it when it came out. Now the interest is going to be you know a hundred times more than it was. So we'll see. And Kyle, what about you? Well, since Brandy didn't really have one, I'm going to take two. And since Jen took my Homer pick of the week, 
uh, in uh, uh, Broken Gargoyles. Uh, I'm going to pick two other Source Point Press books, ironically. Uh, Darling, number one, and Boston Metaphysical Society, The Scourge of the Mechanical Men, number one, which is volume two of Boston Metaphysical Society from Source Point Press. That, uh, that's a hip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if that was like an acronym or no, that's the, that's the whole thing. Okay. Well, we will uh, look out for those. Thanks, guys, for uh, being with us. Thank you, Brainy and Kyle, for staying late, uh, which is early, but it's late, being that you wanted to leave 15 minutes in. So we tried well, to make it's like 1030 here. So oh, well, I understand. <laughs> it's 730 for me. So. You had a long day moving boxes. Empty boxes. Do you, it's harder to move empty boxes than it is to move full boxes because empty boxes just want to blow away in the wind. Right. Yeah, they got more of a mind of their own. But And uh, thank you, everyone, for watching Nerd News Now, part of the Kingdom of Geekdom on Woodlands Online, sponsored by The Adventure Begins Comics and Games and Space Cadets Collection Collection. Check out their other shows on Woodlands Online, like Music Cafe, The Adventure Begins Show, Woodlands House and Home, The Best You, Between the Trees, Business Talk, and more. You can watch all these on Woodlands Online and on our partner station, KBQT HD 21, over the air on your television. All these shows and more also on Roku. Just add Woodlands Online TV to your streaming lineup, and you can listen to the podcast version of this on of Nerd News Now on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. See you next time on Nerd News Now. Justin. <laughs> that was perfect, Mark. So a friend of mine just posted this as a Fast and the Furious 9 review. Uh, Fast and the Furious 9, where you don't know if you can afford a new water heater, but have access to military equipment at a second's notice. <laughs> the thing I'm confused about in that movie, quite honestly, is that, you know, Why they this- have... Every single movie, they've got like kind of like their signature vehicles that they're driving, right? Like, uh, I think that uh, the main characters was like a Dodge Charger or something this time. But for some reason, even when they change continents, they still have those cars. Right. They, just, they can like, afford to transport those vehicles to any part of the continent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they just hopped on that submarine, you know? It's fine. All right, guys. Thanks. Y'all have a good night. All right. All right. Are we still live? Did he say we're done? He didn't, yeah. but I think Justin probably fell asleep. Yeah, well, I mean, we're done. That's why I gave him the slow. <laughs> it's fine.